take your Bibles out with me this morning, and uh, please turn, if you would, to Matthew 7, 7. Matthew 7, 7. And we'll turn there in a moment. Uh, if you're looking for a sermon study guide, it should be in your handout. If you don't have one, lift up a hand. If you'd like to take notes and follow along, uh, the ushers will get one expeditiously to you uh, this morning. Uh, we do a fill-in-the-blank uh, uh, note-taking system, sermon guide, if you'd like to take notes uh, this morning and have all the scriptures. Amen. I have three children that God has blessed Becky and I with. Two girls and a boy who pastors in Southern California, lives on the beach with his wife and suffers for Jesus. And he's a unique personality, John is. Now, you know your pastor. Your pastor will cry at the drop of a hat. I have no problem with that getting emotional. My son's very unemotional. Unless he wants something. I remember age 14, he wanted a dog. And the guilt, the condemnation had built up over the years upon myself for not getting him a dog. I, I detest having a pet. I, I, I know I'm going to get a lot of hate mail now. In the house, I'd rather have a, another baby in the house than a dog or a cat. I mean, there are still scars I can point to around our home because of having a, a dog. But at age 14, I brought home a dog. Stupid, stupid, stupid. Instead of getting a lazy lap dog, I bought him a Jack Russell Terrier. As you're hearing the response, they've got to be the smartest of dogs and the most rebellious of canines. That, that dog was evil. It, was, it ended up being the dog from hell. Two years later, after age 14, and now he's 16, uh, I talked him into selling the dog and giving him the money to use for what at age 16? You got it. It didn't take long to convince him. Uh, I mean, one of my greatest days was giving the day I gave him the dog, and it's kind of like a boat, and the greatest day was seeing that doggy <laughs> uh, go bye-bye. Amen. And then he, Jonathan, being the obsessive he is, I mean, when he wants something, it's laser focus. My, my wife will agree with you. He obsesses. He will eat it, drink it, sleep it. It, I mean, when it came to age 16, he was first in line on the day of his birthday at Secretary of State to get his license. Uh, I mean, he wanted to drive, and then he wanted a specific kind of vehicle. Uh, pickup trucks back then were the, the fav, the favorite uh, for, for the, the, the uh, young guys. He wanted a red Chevy Extreme. Do you remember the Chevy Extreme rode low to the ground, pickup truck? I mean, it was cool. He wanted a six-cylinder five-speed, and he found one. As he scoured the advertisements and scoured online, he found one for sale at Matthew Hargreaves Chevrolet. We went over and looked at it, and Dad took one look at the price, one look at the miles, one look at the condition that Jonathan was so happy about and obsessing over. And uh, when we got home, I said, I'll make my decision when we get home with your mother. We got home. I mean, he was excited. He was bubbly. He, 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 he just knew that Dad was going to somehow, some way, uh, uh, give him his fondest desire, and I remember standing in our foyer area, and I said, no. Stoic, Mr. Spock-type Jonathan broke down sobbing. I mean, it just tore your heart out. <laughs> but dad being the sadistic dad that he is, I'd already spotted one that was a much better deal. Lower miles better condition, and I hadn't told him about it. <laughs> He's done, 
crying, sobbing. And I remember the next day I had a, uh, I, I had a pastoral associate with a video camera filming while uh, I drove up in the driveway with Jonathan standing there. And you would have thought my son had a spiritual experience when he got that Chevy Extreme. Just what he had prayed for, just what he had dreamed about. And he drove that all of his teenage years, even drove it into college. And it was an awesome vehicle. And then he made money on it when he sold it. I told you Dad knew what a good deal was. That's right. Amen. Jesus, how many times did Jesus remind us? It's a spiritual principle that if you earthly fathers delight in giving your children, if you parents delight in giving your children good gifts, how much more so will our heavenly Father bless us in our needs and even our desires? Well, that's not my scripture verse this morning, but it is sure the principle that I want to launch the greatest week that Lakeside ever enjoys. It's the greatest week of battle, but you can't have a victory without a battle. The greatest week that we ever enjoy is our week of prayer. And today begins the week of prayer. I hope that you can enjoy uh, this week of prayer with us, even if you come out just one night. We pray for one hour. That hour will go by just like that. The first half, you pray alone. The second half, you'll pray with others. And that hour of prayer will go by just like that. It'll set the tempo, the pace, uh, your spiritual pace for the year. And watch what God can do when God's people come together and pray. But I want you to know the Bible teaches a specific form of prayer that I've never revealed, I don't believe, in depth with you before. Let's look at it. Jesus taught it in Matthew 7, 7. Look at it with me in a way that maybe you've never looked at it before. Ask, and it will. Now, every time I come to the word will, I need you to shout it out with me. Capiche? You all ready? We all on the same page together? I'm going to read the verse again. You ready? Ask, and it will be given to you. Seek and you will find. Knock and the door will be open to you. The kind of praying that Jesus is teaching here is expectation praying. It's a high form of prayer. It's a powerful form of prayer. It's a form of prayer that will launch you into the greatest year you've ever had in living. It's expectation living. It's restoration lifestyle that I'm talking about. I'm going to, I don't always preach and teach this way, but I'm going to use the word prayer this morning. I'm going to use the word prayer this morning. I'm going to use the letters P-R-A-Y-E-R as the acrostic for my main points and principles I'm teaching so that when you go to prayer, you're going to remember these letters and what they mean. As this morning, we revealed to you expectation 2017 here at Lakeside Assembly of God. Let us pray as we talk about prayer. Father, in the name of Jesus, bless this word even right now. Grant us ears to hear and hearts to receive. In the name of Jesus, amen. P, write it down. P is for prayer. You will never enjoy expectation living until you realize that prayer is God's ordained release of expectation faith. Think about it. Real prayer is when you vocalize, <laughs> when you verbalize your expectation in what our God can do. And nothing is impossible with our God. Jesus said, apart from me, you can do nothing, but with me, all things are possible to him who believes. There it is. Real prayer is mouthing, it's confessing, it's expressing, it's vocalizing faith in our God who will not and cannot fail you. Why pray? Prayer is obedience. Check it out. Cover to cover in this book. Prayer is commanded. It's an act of obedience when you pray. 
Paul the Apostle said in 1 Thessalonians 5.17, pray continually. Why pray? Because of who we confront. Because of our enemy. Don't you know? Do you agree with me? Our enemy is not ISIS. Our real enemy is a far greater being. A church service had said a church service was shocked when in the middle of their church service, all of a sudden, poof, Satan, Lucifer, showed up and stood right at the front. People scrambled for the exits. It was far worse than when the pastor asked them to give in the offering. I mean, they ran so fast out of that church I, I mean, even the security team was running out. I, I mean, the, I didn't wait for the door to hit them on the way out. Everybody fled. This suffering, this sulfuring, uh, uh, burning, uh, uh, hideous, uh, demonic creature, Lucifer, everybody fled the building except for one middle-aged man. Satan looked down at him and roared at him, Don't you know who I am? Man looked up and said, Yeah, I know who you are. Aren't you afraid of me? Nope. Do you realize that with one word, I could kill you and send you into agony in hell? Yep. Well, then why aren't you afraid of me? I've been married to your sister for 48 years. <laughs> Sometimes we include a little humor to make the point that Satan is real. He is not, he is not the figment of some fictional imagination, a very real Satan that confronted Adam and Eve, a real Satan confronted Jesus in the wilderness, a real, very real Satan possessed Judas and will one day possess the Antichrist, and a very real Lucifer confronts you and I this very hour. He has defeated the strongest man, Samson, the wisest man, Solomon, the man after God's own heart, David. He's a powerful foe. Why pray? Prayer is our greatest spiritual weapon that God has placed in our hands to confront this evil spiritual entity called Lucifer. Why pray? God has promised to answer our prayers. Look with me in Isaiah 65, and it shall come to pass that before they call, I will answer, saith the Lord. And while they are yet speaking, I will hear. Why pray? Because the greatest person of human history in all eternity prayed. Jesus prayed in the morning. Jesus prayed during daylight hours. The Bible reports that Jesus sometimes would pray all night. He even prayed. He even prayed as he hung upon the cross and they tortured him. And right now, right now, my Bible says that nail-scarred hands are being lifted before the throne of God as he calls out your name and my name. The Bible says he ever lives to intercede for you and I. Jesus is praying for you right now. Why pray? Why pray? Why pray? Prayer is in the Bible cover to cover declaring that prayer works. Think of it. Uh, prayer uh, has made a way where there seemed to be no way. Prayer, hallelujah, caused the Red Sea to split and Israel walked across on dry ground. Prayer has called forth fire from the heavens and rain from the skies. Prayer has stopped the mouths of lions and made it cool in the fiery furnace. Prayer has vanquished invading armies. Prayer has caused the blind to see and the lame to walk. Prayer has cast out demons and raised the dead. Uh, prayer has revived churches and changed the destiny of nations. Prayer can still take the vilest sinner uh, and save their soul and detour them from a highway to hell to a highway 
way to heaven. I'm talking about prayer, the power of prayer. Prayer is the most powerful act any Christian can ever initiate. Prayer is the power of God placed in your hands and my hands. You show me a prayerless Christian, and I'll show you a powerless Christian. Church, Lakeside Assembly of God, this is the week of prayer. If there is ever a time for us to pray for our nation, it's now. If there is ever a time to pray for breakthroughs among the Lakeside family, it's now. We need to expect our God to act. And we can if we'll pray. If we'll pray. If my people pray. Next. Before I go to our next point this morning... Before I go to the letter R, I need to tell you about what took place. Oh, I'd say about two and a half years ago. I'd taken my pastoral team uh, and uh, our ministry director, Don Waggy, our spouses, and, and we were all up at my cottage up north, an hour away, I call it up north. And we were having a staff getaway, laying out plans for the new year, great time of bonding and, and, and fellowship. And it had gone late. It was around midnight. We're on the deck playing Uno, laughing, carrying on, loud as can be. I'm surprised the neighbors didn't get after me. We were so loud. People were starting to leave and go back to their motel rooms when suddenly there came a shout from Pastor Ryan, my son-in-law, as many of you have heard the story, he shouted out, there's a woman in the bedroom closet. I thought, he's kidding, he's joking. But sure enough, he leads out a barely clothed young lady in her 30s that he found in the guest room closet right where my two little three-year-old grandsons were sleeping. She said, my husband is after me. He wants to kill me. My pastor's heart uh, goes out right away. And uh, I, I quick told the ladies to uh, wrap her up in a blanket, put her in a recliner. Uh, I told them to bring her water. I'm on the phone with the police dispatcher uh, acting out of pastoral mercy. Let me back up here. We have someone up here on stage that I believe has a pair of shoes for every day of the year. <laughs> Probably one of the high points uh, at the office uh, every day is when we have our circle of prayer to see what shoes she's wearing today. Uh, and and I, I'm, I'm telling the ladies to minister to this girl. Uh, I'm on the phone with the police. Uh, her husband's trying to uh, kill her. She escaped into her house and is, is hiding. And all of a sudden, I hear this threatening, vicious voice from behind me, not directed at me, but directed at the girl. You stole my shoes! I thought, well, where is this coming from? And lo and behold, they found a dirty blanket with laptop computers in it that were ours and medication, prescription medication, all this stuff that this girl had come into our house, a home invasion to steal, including Don Waggy's shoes. And you don't touch Don Waggy's shoes. <laughs> Uh, oh, woe unto the one who touches her shoes. Can I hear an amen on that? <laughs> Thievery. Robbery. That girl ended up being a meth addict. We ended up going to court. All of us because of that incident. That's why my next point, R, is for restoration. Restoration. Reminding us God desires to restore to us what Satan has stolen from our lives, our families, and our churches. 
The Bible over and over and over again reminds us that Satan is a thief. He's a robber. He's a stealer. Jesus himself said in John chapter 10 verse 10, the thief does not come except to steal and to kill and to destroy. I have come though that they may have life and that they may have it more abundantly. Are you enjoying abundant living? Are you enjoying the abundant life? Jesus mandated it for us. Let me give an Old Testament example of this. In the days before David became king of Israel, David was a fugitive. He was like Robin Hood. And David had his band of merry men. David was a fugitive from King Saul. Him and his men were hiding out in a little town called Ziklag. Ziklag. One day, David and his 600 men returned home to find out that their, all their homes had been burned to the ground, all their possessions stolen, and all their wives and their children kidnapped. The grief was so bitter, the Bible says that the men, David's companions, began talking of stoning him and killing him in their bitter grief. I want to ask you a question this morning. What has old Slewfoot the devil stolen from you? What has he robbed from you? Has he stolen your health? Has the doctor called and said the tests are positive? Has he stolen your marital joy? In the spirit of abuse, adultery or divorce is knocking at your door. What has he robbed from you? Has he robbed you of your joy as a parent? And that child that you brought up here at Lakeside Assembly of God and you had so many dreams and destinies for, now shakes their fist at God and wants nothing to do with the things of God. What has he stolen from you? Has he stolen your finances, your job? The devil especially enjoys robbing from churches. He's wonderfully content if we will relegate our lives spiritually to just go through the motions here at church. His hope, his desire for Lakeside in this new year is that we'll just go through the motions, that we'll embrace religiosity, formalism, ritualism, business as usual, do our duty, show up at church on Sunday morning, and that's it. He's scared of a church. He's scared of a church. He's scared of a church that renews her passion, that stirs up the holy fire within her. He's scared of a church whose prayer, main prayer, in the week of prayer, is God, revive us again. We thank you for yesterday's victories. We thank you for yesterday's testimonies. We thank you for what you did for us last year. But God, we want a fresh anointing. God, we want a fresh touch from you. God, do a new work here at Lakeside. But his great desire for you and I is to change the name of this church from Lakeside Assembly of God and change it into the first church of the chosen frozen. That's his desire. That's his plan. He's a thief who steals, kills, and destroys. So what did David do? Just what you and I need to do. The Bible says in 1 Samuel 30, David encouraged himself in the Lord. <laughs> you see, David knew that God is in the restoration business. This is the God confidence that somehow, some way, God will make a way where there seems to be no way. It's the God confidence that when we come out on the other side, we're going to come out better. We're going to come out more promoted. We're going to come out healthier. We're going to come out more prosperous, more blessed than ever before. This is not just psychological pap and positive thinking, optimism that your pastor is espousing. I want you to know this is the holy word of God and I stand on the authority of holy scripture. Look at Psalms 23 verse 3. David cries out, he restoreth 
my soul. God is in the restoration business. Joel chapter 2 verse 25. God says, and I will restore to you the years that the locust hath eaten. Are you grieving over lost years, lost time? God is in the restoration business. Jeremiah 30, 17, For I will restore health to you, and your wounds I will heal, declares the Lord your God. And get a hold of this. For you Bible students out there, the Bible reveals the principle, the principle, the dynamic of double, double, double restoration. Get a hold of that. You don't just come out as you were before. You come out with double favor, double blessing. This is the word of the Lord. This was a legal law in natural, civil Israel. This was a civil law. The Bible uh, shows us, put up that next verse, Exodus 22, anyone who steals must certainly make restitution. If you stole from someone... To make it right, you had to pay them back what? Double. Now, God took that principle from the civil, the civil arena, and brought it into the spiritual arena, a blessing, both natural and spiritual blessing. Look at Isaiah 61, 7. You will receive a double measure of wealth instead of your shame. God said that to his people, the people of God. Well, pastor, is that just Old Testament? No, that's New Testament. In fact, it's the core, it's at the heart of the mission and the ministry of Jesus. What did Jesus say on the inauguration day of his ministry? Luke chapter 4, verse 18, heed the word of the Lord Jesus announced, the Spirit of the Lord is upon me. Because he has anointed me to preach the gospel to the poor. He has sent me to heal the brokenhearted. He has sent me to proclaim liberty to the captives. He has sent me for the recovery of sight to the blind. He has sent me to set at liberty those who are oppressed. He has sent me to proclaim the acceptable year of the Lord. Jesus is saying, this is the year of expectation. This is the year of restoration. Heed the word of the Lord. Amen. Now, I don't know what you went through this past year. I don't know what's been stolen from you. But you've got a choice. You can get bitter. You can get resentful. You can grieve like David's men. Or you can do what David did and encourage yourself in the Lord who is your restorer who's in the restoration business you can know that you know that you know that God wants to restore everything stolen from you he wants to restore your joy your health your peace your finances your family and when God restores hallelujah he doesn't just leave you as you were before you're going to come out better <laughs> you're going to come out promoted why God is in the restoration business amen Oh, write down the letter A. A is for asking. It's asking God to miraculously restore others, especially their salvation. It's the prayer of intercession. Again, the Bible says of David in 1 Samuel 30, David inquired of the Lord. David inquired of... What does that mean? It means that David prayed. David prayed. And he prayed on behalf of others. If you want to take further notes, understand that intercession, when you pray the prayer of intercession, it is always, always, always prayer on behalf of someone else. It is never prayer for yourself. It's never prayer for me, myself, and I. Intercession is not praying with outstretched hands to God. Give me. It's joining hands with God in reaching the lost, in reaching the hurting, in reaching the sick on His behalf. Intercession is participating with the Spirit of the Lord in seeing lives blessed, healed, and restored. Listen, some are gifted to preach, some are gifted to teach, some are gifted to sing or play a musical instrument, but all of us can pray. All of us can intercede. 
When I look, you need to come up here close. I see faces of children. I see faces of moms and dads. I see grandpas and grandmas, friends, loved ones, neighbors. And I recognize if somehow, some way, they don't find Jesus, there's no hope. They will spend an eternity separated from God. What is that called? Hell. If you're new with us this morning, I want you to know this is not one of those churches that tells you there's just heaven on the other side of eternity. There's heaven and hell. And we make a choice. And God is raising up a holy remnant that bears down and hunkers down in prayer and understands and knows their prayers make a difference. It's called the prayer of intercession. These faces, hands will be laid upon these faces every day of this week in the week of prayer. Hands will be laid in prayer upon these faces every week of the entire year by our prayer team. My Tuesday noon prayer team. Your prayers make a difference. Pastor, how do you intercede? When I intercede for the lost, I pray that somehow, some way, God send your Holy Spirit like a lover to woo and tug and knock at their heart's door. God, our intercessory prayers cannot save people. God has bound himself not to transgress their will. People are not robots, but God can set the context. God can breathe upon the atmosphere. God can move with his Holy Spirit <laughs> to cause them to be convicted over their sins. I pray, I pray many times, God, God, give them an empty feeling every time they turn to sin. Make them dissatisfied, discontent with the way their lives are going. Make them feel empty. God, manifest the love of Jesus to them. Let there come a fresh revelation of your love. God, like Broderick Crawford of Highway Patrol. Anybody old enough like me to remember Broadway uh, or Broderick Crawford Highway Patrol? And he'd get the megaphone out. You're surrounded. Come out. You're surrounded. I pray that God sends a holy posse of soul winners to surround them, that every which way they turn, at work, uh, at play, at home, in the community, at the grocery store, they're running into Christians. We're planting seeds of the gospel. Seeds of the gospel. Seeds of the gospel. I pray, when I pray and I intercede for these, I pray that somehow, some way, God will get their attention. What did God do with Saul of Tarsus who became Paul the Apostle? Uh-huh. Uh-huh. Think about it. The early church was praying. And what did God do with the Osama bin Laden of the ancient world that was persecuting Christians? At that time, God knocked them down. Oh, I pray that way sometimes. I say, God, knock them down. <laughs> Get their attention. <laughs> Spirit of God, grip a hold of their heart. Bring them to their knees. God, if you need to, put them in the hospital. Because I find sometimes people don't start looking up until they're flat in their back. You hear me in this? Intercede. 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 You stand between the gap between a holy, righteous God and a God of love and a lost soul. You stand in the gap. Some of you still don't get it. Your kids get it. I said your kids get it. They understand the principle of intercession all the time. Your children play the game called split the parents. They come to dad. I want a bike. I want a new car. Dad steps, stomps his foot down and said, you think money grows on trees? How many times have you heard that one? How many times have you said that one? It's not in the budget. We don't have the finances for it. You don't make enough money. You're not even working. In fact, how long are you going to live in this house? 
You're going to be here till you're 40. <laughs> no, no, no. What is it you don't understand about N-O? And so what do those kids do? They go behind dad's back. They go to who? <laughs> oh, oh. You think they're possessed with a foul spirit. Oh, oh, oh. Oh, and, and then what will mommy do? Mommy then goes to daddy. And believes me, believe me, works them over. I have the scars. To <laughs> And I've learned if mama ain't happy, ain't nobody happy. <laughs> what has mom done for that child? The mom's been an intermediary. The mom ha has mediated. The mom has stood in the gap. Uh, the mom has interceded for that child. That's right. Oh, they know the game well. Intercession. Intercession. Intercession, it's not praying with outstretched hands. Give me a blessing. It's praying, oh God, oh God, save them, heal them, mend that marriage, cause that fragmented family to be made whole. In the name of Jesus, I come against you. Satan, I rebuke you. In the name of Jesus, the blood has never lost its power. Glory to God, let God arise and his enemies be scattered. We need not only to pray for individuals, but I implore you, I beg you, as the pastor of this church, show up, show up at least one night. Show up at least one night. Would you join us in praying, not just for lives, not just for marriages and families, would you come together as the people of God? Because miraculous, exciting things happen when God's people come together at the same time, at the same place, united in prayer. Would you pray for Lakeside Assembly of God that we will not become the first church of the frigid air, that we will not become God's chosen frozen? Would you pray that there would be a fresh outpouring of God's Holy Spirit in this church, that we would be recipients of a baptism of love, that we would witness miracles, that we would witness healings, signs and wonders, that the Word of God would go forth boldly with no compromise whatsoever, that we would see souls saved as never before, that we would see expectation 2017 become a reality here at Lakeside, that 2017 would be the greatest year that we've ever experienced. Would you pray? Would you pray? And would you pray with expectation that God will restore back to this church our lost children, our lost grandchildren, that we would see the greatest ingathering that we've ever witnessed in Lakeside history for the glory of God? Why? The why in prayer represents yourself. After you pray for others, pray for yourself. This is personal petition. At the heart of the Lord's Prayer, Jesus taught us to pray what? Matthew 6.11 Give us this day our daily bread. God is not so busy running the universe that He doesn't have time for you. God knows more about the details, the minuscule matters, the intricacies of your life. He cares more about them than you do. He knows more about you than you do. He cares for you, honey. You are the apple of His eye. You're a child of God. You're a king's kid. And His heart longs to bless you. He longs to favor you. He longs to heal you. But you have to ask. I said you have to ask. Asking is the rule of the kingdom. You have not because you ask not. 
asking, asking in prayer is the dimension of total dependency that delights the heart of God. One day, one day, one day, a blind man called Bartimaeus called out to Jesus, Oh, thou son of David, have mercy on me. The crowd tried to quiet him up. Uh, they said, hey, this is church. This is God's chosen frozen. We don't shout here. We don't praise loudly here. We don't get excited here. This just excited him all the more as, because Jesus was passing by. When Jesus passes by, you want to shout. Uh, and he cried out, oh, thou son of David, have mercy on me. Jesus brought the blind man to him. And imagine, here comes blind Bartimaeus. Now get a hold of this. Get a hold of this. You know, there's some comedy in Scripture. <laughs> Next thing happens. What did Jesus, what did Jesus ask? What do you want? Come on, Jesus, are you blind too? <laughs> ah, you're missing the principle. The principle here is Jesus was wanting him to ask. Asking is the vocalizing, the verbalizing, the expressing of belief in the miraculous. It is the vocalizing of your expectation. What did blind Bartimaeus say? What did he say? Blind Bartimaeus said, I want to see. Will you heal me so that I may see? Jesus touched him and made him every whit whole. Asking, you have not because you ask not. Asking expresses dependency upon our Father. It shows trust. It shows you're leaning upon the everlasting arms. But what do we do? We trust in our visa plastic card. We trust in our health care insurance. We trust in our home insurance. We trust in our auto insurance. We trust in the things of man. And we've lost in our modern society utter dependency upon God. Asking is the rule of the kingdom. You have not because you ask not. Give us this day our daily bread. Too many believers are missing out on God's best. Because they don't ask. But preacher, 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 get with it. Don't you know God helps those who help themselves? Honey, sir, ma'am, that ain't in the book. You won't find that in here whatsoever. That's false teaching. That's secular humanistic teaching. That's contrary to God's word. It's not in the book, but asking is. Lord, teach us to ask. E. The E in prayer stands for prayerful expectation. For God's best in our lives, our families, and church. Have you written down your expectation for your life in 2017? Have you written down your expectation in God for your marriage, for your family? Or you want to settle for a plateau? Do you want to settle for mediocrity? Do you want to settle for mundane, miserable, half-hearted, passive, milk-toast, lukewarm living? Do you want to settle for a wishbone instead of a backbone? Come on, Lakeside. What do you want? Write it down. Write your dreams down. Write your expectation down for your life, for your family, and for your church. When David prayed, God answered Let's look at that right now. 1 Samuel chapter 30. David asks, shall I chase the enemy? Will I catch the enemy? What did the Lord say? Yes. Go after them. Now note this. Here's another will. Here's another will. You will recover everything that was taken from you. Mom, dad, don't throw in the bag. Your son, your daughter's lost right now. They're on a highway to hell. But you will recover in the name of Jesus everything that you've lost. Don't give up. Don't give up. If anything, hunker down. 
bear down. Make the devil mad. And make God glad. And intercede. Give old Slewfoot a Malex moment. He needs to be doubled over. Call a 911. Plead the blood in the name of Jesus. It will be done. I will recover everything stolen. God was wanting David to move in faith expectation. That's how God wants you and I to move into the new year. That's how he wants us to pray. Stop praying, God, if it is your will. I don't find that in the Word. I never find in the Word that God wants us sick, God wants us poor, God wants us fragmented, God wants us cursed. You won't find it in the book. Start praying the book. Start praying the Word of God. Stand upon it. Uh, take it to the bank. Uh, it's God's promise. Hallelujah. Pray with expectation for restoration. I, I believe that the theme that God has given your pastor is a holy theme inaugurated by the very hand of God for this Lakeside family for this new year. Expectation 2017. I'm believing for Lakeside to have her greatest year ever. Her greatest year ever. I've set my sights. Honey, you can live with halfway living. You can look at the cup half full. But this, this uh, our half empty. Uh, I'm going to look at God's best. I'm, I'm not just walking in optimism or positive thinking. I'm standing on the promises. I'm standing on the promises. And His promise is favor, blessing, restoration. Expectation 2017, part of it is very natural, very physical. For instance, our building program. After many detours, delays, disappointments, we finally launched it in 2016. I've been through, uh, now this is my fourth building program as your pastor, and this has been the most difficult to kickstart. It really has. In fact, uh, just in the last month, we discovered that uh, Frazier is not the only one with a sinkhole. Our back parking lot, either it was done wrongly or it was not done at all, or it was done up to code 20 years ago, but now there's a more qualitative way of doing it. But we discovered when we did our, our drainage work out here that we weren't hooked up in our back parking lot to Bannister Drain. That water was just circulating under the parking lot, creating a sinkhole. Wouldn't that be glorious to leave church? <laughs> I need you to pray with us. They want, it's not the builder's fault. It is what it is, $29,000. Yeah. But we serve a God who owns the cattle on a thousand hills. <laughs> we serve a God whose bank is always open. <laughs> he said, the silver is mine, the gold is mine. And so I'm going to focus in on the excitement of 2017. Uh, let's look at some slides right now. We'll take you to Pastor's slideshow this morning, a family slideshow. Uh, we're planning. Next slide, please. There we go. This is what we want to build. Uh, this is what the dream is to become the reality, a new front, a new facelift to Lakeside Assembly of God Church building, a new curved wall, over 20,000 square feet of, uh, let's go to the floor plan, of uh, worship and creative arts center, and the choir would say, they're an exciting group. And then... Uh, then the drama ministry, wait till I tell you to turn the slides, and classes and office expansion, uh, ushers room, security room, and even, if you'll look towards the, the chapel entry area, a new cafe is prepped for, and uh, we can add that later on. The second floor, we have the potential in the second floor uh, up there, because it'll have two floors for all kinds of classrooms in the future, and storage as well. Next slide, if you would, please. The uh, chapel entry will have a brand new carport. Next slide, please. Uh, this is the youth center attached to the back of our gym going into the woods, but uh, Pastor Ryan kind of thought that was a bit boring. 
Yeah, you heard them. Now the inside is going to be really exciting. Inside will uh, seat, uh, let me tell you, over 200 on the inside, their own stage, their own place for uh, youth and, and young adults, their own cafe, restrooms. Look at what Pastor Ryan did on the outside. Doesn't that look a lot better? Isn't that cool? Can I hear an amen? New Youth Center. Praise the Lord. Praise the Lord. But uh, we, it's our hope and under consideration uh, to not only uh, address the, the youth ministry, but also the children's ministry here at Lakeside. New slide, please, if you would. Uh, this, if I'm, I'm pointing right over here right now, pointing right over here across the hallway, is the Sunday school office. And uh, since we have to turn that whole wall into a new firewall to be under compliance, we thought we would do some restoration as we're in the middle. We need a new children's ministry check-in area. We need an, an ultra-modern, secure check-in welcoming area. We need this church to loudly say, we love children. The future of this church is children and young families. And so Pastor Ben has designed a new welcome center, a new children's ministry center out here. You see that garage door there? That's where the uh, Sunday school office is presently. If you open up that garage door, you see the new check-in center and a McDonald's restaurant play area. Mom and dad can sit out in the church lobby and watch their kids uh, on the play center. Grandpa and grandma can enjoy a sip of hot coffee and enjoy fellowship while the kids are, are just playing themselves to sleep in the play center. What do you think about it? You excited about those ideas? Amen. Amen. In fact, Starting this morning, you're going to see, once you leave this uh, worship center, we've got a new coffee cafe uh, lobby uh, cafe for you out here. And uh, we want to serve you hot coffee this morning. We've done a facelift out here in the lobby. We're wanting to promote fellowship, bonding. We're wanting to promote greater, greater connecting. That's why we were, we're experimenting with a connection cafe out here on a temporary basis. All the carpeting that you walk on out there is going to be taken up, and there's going to be new carpet. Now, don't spill your coffee on purpose. But pastor's allowing coffee out there right now because that carpeting's going anyway. And the board and I want to see how you enjoy coffee and fellowship out in the lobby area before we invest and put money into a new connection cafe at our new entrance of our chapel area. Praise the Lord. If time permitted, I talk about new classes, ministries. But let me just squeeze in here real quick. We're planning on a Sweetheart's Banquet next month at Whitehorse Inn. The, the room is already rented and reserved. In May, I've already booked the Bavarian Inn in Frankenmuth for a couple's getaway. Amen. We've already booked our speakers and his wife for a, a, a marriage getaway, marriage retreat, but everybody's invited of the adults. We've also booked for the summer a family fun getaway. Uh, at least three days. Uh, uh, we're going to do Huckleberry Railroad, Lake Fun, Frankenmuth. We're going to we're looking at renting an entire water park, complete with pirate ship and water slide. We've got great ideas. And these are just some of your pastors. You should hear the associates. I mean, they're even great. I'm dreaming of a word and spirit conference. I've already booked the speakers. We've never done this before. In times past, I grew up with what was called revivals. Today, today we're more sophisticated, and now the church, churches call them conferences. I don't care what you call it. I just care if God moves. We're going to have a Word and Spirit conference the last week of March. I need you to intercede and pray for it because the price is paid for through prayer. We're going to have, think of it, five. I've never done this before. Five different revivalist speakers. We're going to have young adult 
preachers. We're going to have old adult preachers. We're going to have Pentecostal, charismatic, spirit-filled, evangelistic preaching. A word and spirit conference. Mark it down. March 29th, uh, Sunday through Wednesday here at Lakeside Assembly. It's going to be a great year. I said it's going to be a great year. Together, let's believe for God's best. Uh, in the year to come, lastly, the last hour in prayer represents how we should always close prayers of expectation. How should we close prayers of expectation? R stands for rejoicing. How did Jesus, how did Jesus end up and close the most prayed prayer in the world, the Lord's Prayer? Jesus closed up the last line the greatest prayer in the world with, in Matthew 6, 13, for thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever. Amen. What's the last word in the prayer that Jesus taught us? Amen. How many times do we slap amen on the end of the prayer? And it's a formality. When was the last time you slapped amen on the end of a prayer and, and you just slipped through it in a ritualistic manner and you don't realize what the word amen means? Does anybody know what the word amen really means? So be it. Jesus taught us that when we close up, when we wrap up, when we conclude our prayer time, we need to conclude boldly with thanksgiving, with rejoicing, with the attitude, I'm going to receive it as I believe it. Uh, amen. So be it. Glory to God. There it is. That's the prayer of expectation. I want to ask you a question. When did Moses say, stand still and see the salvation of your God? Did he say it before or after the Red Sea was parted? He said it before. When did Israel shout before the walls of Jericho? Before or after? Before. When did the three Hebrew teenage men say, our God is able to deliver us from the fiery furnace? They say it before or after? Before, when did Jesus say, I thank you, God, for hearing me because you always hear me? Before or after he raised Lazarus from the dead? Before, when you end up your prayer of expectation, stand upon the holy word of God and declare, Hallelujah, if God be for me, who can be against me? No weapon formed against me can prosper. Nothing will separate me from the love of God in Christ Jesus. Greater is he that's within me than he that's within this world. Amen. So be it. I receive it as I believe it. This morning, right now, what do you expect? For the new year. What do you expect? I don't know about you, but as for me and my household, we're going to expect that our God is able to do that which is uh, abundantly, unimaginably, more than we can imagine, ask, or think. We're going to expect the best is yet to come. Would you stand with me this morning? Hallelujah. 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 Would you say hallelujah with me? Hallelujah. I can't hear you. Hallelujah. 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 Get it in your spirit. Hallelujah. Precious Jesus, God is in the house. God is in the house. And God wants to do miracles even right now. Last week, last week, we prayed the prayer of blessing over families. And even Sunday afternoon, I was getting notices of miracles already taking place as God heard and answered prayer. God is wanting to do the miraculous even right now. He's wanting to restore. He's wanting you to recover. We don't have room enough at this altar for the entire Lakeside family. What I'm about to ask, I want to couch in the context of an invitation, not a command. I'm not commanding this. No condemnation. 
If you must go, God bless you. Go with God. But I'm going to invite you to find somebody, at least one other person. For you, it might be two, three, four people that are around you. The key thing is, what breaks my heart is when I see people standing alone. Find at least one other person that you can pray for, that you can pray with. Introduce yourself if you need to. Find out their name and ask them, how can I pray for you? What do you believe that God can do for you this year, today? I would like to start our week of prayer right now, here. For Jesus said, this is my Father's house, a house of prayer. Let's not turn it into a den of thieves. How about it? We have expectation 2017. Cindy's going to sing a chorus. Turn around and find somebody you can pray with in a prayer circle. Would you do that right now? Amen.